Hey, welcome home to Cassidy. My name is Stephen Mitchell, and it is a great joy to be here with you. Uh, I am so excited that we get to continue celebrating, continue leaning into this story called Farm Life. Uh, it was because we were partnering with our kids in Vacation Bible School. Vacation Bible School is just uh, a, each and every night of this week, Monday through Thursday, we, we had uh, children in here from pre-K all the way up through fifth grade. And we were sharing different Bible stories with them and uh, had skits and, and science projects and so many things that they were able to be a part of. I got to be a cow uh, and it was awesome. And I got to have a hip hop rap. If you haven't seen it, it's probably available on the internet. I regret most of my life choices that brought me to that, uh, but it was good. It was a lot of fun. And so uh, we're excited because we as Cassidy have been partnering with our Vacation Bible School kids uh, and, and working through the same stories, uh, the same types of themes, uh, but maybe taking a look at them from a little bit more of an adult perspective to see uh, what God is saying to each and every one of us, uh, rather than a preschool or middle school uh, perspective. So uh, my joy is that we get to keep going on this and we're going to tell one more story. Uh, so if you're new here, I just wanted to say Say you're welcome here. We're excited that you are joining us. Uh, don't worry, just because we're on the last message of this message series doesn't mean that you uh, you're, you missed out and you're not going to be able to follow along. We're going to have a great time. And so whether you're in person or online, we're just excited that you have decided to join us. So I wanted to start with this question. Uh, have you ever been asked to do something you don't want to do? Um, have you ever been asked to do something that you just don't really, I mean, it's just something you really don't. Maybe, maybe uh, as a kid, you know, I remember just being asked, hey, Steve, go clean your room. And I was like, oh gosh, I can't believe I got to go clean my room. Like I just hated cleaning my room, mostly because my room was a disaster area for most of the time until I would have to clean it. Uh, and so it was just awful. Uh, now, as a grown-up for me, when people call me and they're like, hey, will you help me move? I'm just like, oh, I really don't. I'll, I'll, I'll help you move, but I really don't want to. It's just one of those things. When I was in the Navy, there was this group of folks that I worked with, and their job, part of their job description was to teach the active reservists. And sometimes I would get roped into helping them, and, and I just hated that uh, because I had a job to do, and now I'm having to do some extra work on top of it, and I wasn't excited about that. And also, I'm having to teach people that are there for a week and are ready to go and get back to their regular life, and I'm trying to teach them in my regular life to do what I'm doing each and every day. And to me, it just always seemed like they weren't all that interested in doing it. And so it was frustrating and hard and difficult, and I just hated. So when, when the active reservists would show up, I would try and figure out how I could do anything other than teach them uh, and, and participate in the teaching por portion of that. Now, you know, sometimes it, it's even worse. It's even worse when it's something we should do, we know we should do it, but we seriously do not want to. Um, we know that we should be doing whatever it is, but we really don't want to. And, and the hard part there is we have a little bit of guilt, a little bit of frustration, especially when we get called out on it. 
When we're doing, when we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing, and, and we have this, this guilt and frustration because somebody's like, hey, why didn't you empty the dishwasher? Well, because, and then we make excuses and we come up with reasons, uh, and, and it's just frustrating. Uh, and so I, I start with that because that's where we're going today. We're going on a journey with a guy named Jonah. Uh, Jonah's a super popular uh, story from the Bible, the gets swallowed by a fish. It's just crazy. Uh, What's interesting is the book of Jonah is like the most upside down book of the Bible. The story, the way that the story unfolds, the people that you expect to act one way, act another. The, the, the way that the things happen, it's just, it's just very strange. And so we're going to take a look at that. Uh, and it starts with this prophet who doesn't want to be a prophet. God says, hey, Jonah, I got a job for you. I want you to go to Nineveh which is a town, it's actually the capital of Assyria, and I want you to share with them that their, their sin has come before me, and I want them to repent, otherwise I'm going to wipe them out. And, and the problem is this, Jonah doesn't want Nineveh to be saved. He knows that God is graceful and gracious. He knows that God is uh, a forgiving God and will show mercy, and, God, and, and Jonah doesn't like the Assyrians. The reason Jonah doesn't like the Assyrians is because Assyria carted off both the southern and northern kingdom into exile. And he knows that God is merciful and he doesn't want God to show mercy. He wants the Nineveh people to get what they deserve. And so right from the bat, he's not acting like a good prophet. God says, hey, I want you to do this. And Jonah's like, I don't want to do it. Uh, And it, it, it begins this way. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish where he found, uh, he went to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. Now, for those of us that don't understand the geography of the time, Tarshish was in the exact opposite direction of Nineveh. And so Jonah's like, I am not going to do that because I know that God is going to be merciful to these people and I don't want them to be merciful. I don't want them to have mercy. So I'm just going to go in the opposite direction. And again, this is the opposite of what we think, right? He's a prophet of God. And instead of doing what God has called him to do, he's like, nope, nope, nope. If he had a t-shirt on, that's exactly what the t-shirt would say. It would be like, nope, nope, nope. Not going to do what is expected of me, not going to do what I've been called to do by God. Instead, I'm going to run away. And so Jonah runs from his responsibility and Jonah takes off uh, toward Tarshish instead of going to Nineveh. And often I think there's more of Jonah in us than we like to admit. When, when we are, are asked by God to do something or, or we feel like God is urging us to do something, we're like, well, I don't know. Uh, God calls us and we say, mm, no, thank you. Um, and so, <laughs> so we, we have a little bit more Jonah in us than I think we like to admit at times. And Jonah in, in this story is really just trying to not do 
what he should be doing, and it's going in opposition of what you would expect a prophet to do. But God isn't taking no from Jonah. Uh, as a matter of fact, God seriously pursues Jonah and causes this, a storm to come up around the ship that Jonah is on. Jonah is downstairs sleeping, and this massive storm shows up, and, and the, the, the sailors, which are not Jews and don't know about this God, are on the, on the deck of the ship, and they're like, I wonder which one of us has made God mad, the gods mad. And so they start rolling dice to draw lots to find out who it is. And they identify that it's Jonah and they go and wake him up and they're like, hey, what did you do? And he's like, yeah, it's me. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I, I am running away from God. I'm a prophet of God uh, and God ha has told me to go one way and I'm, I'm trying to run away. And so uh, he's like, you know what? I know how to solve this. Just throw me into the sea. And in Jonah's mind, he's like, it, I would rather die than have the Ninevites come to repentance. I would rather die than for God's mercy to be extended to these people I hate. Uh, and so they, the, the guys on the boat are like, hey, we, we really don't, we'll, we'll do anything we can. And they tried really hard not to throw Jonah overboard, but the storm just kept getting worse and worse. And so then they just decide, okay, you know what? We're going to chuck this guy into the ocean. And it says this, then they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Hey, Lord, we're, we're just doing what he's saying to do. Uh, then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men fear, greatly feared the Lord, and, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. At, at this moment, and, and I love this, again, this is the opposite of what you would, what you would expect, right? Jonah is so angry at the Ninevites that he's like, it's better if I just die instead of go on. So they throw him into the sea. The sea gets calm. And how do these pagan uh, sailors respond? They respond by giving thanks to God. They glorify God in, in, in that moment and say, thank you for, for saving us. And yet Jonah, in his anger, has now been chucked into the sea. And then God provides. God provided for the, the sailors, but God also provides for Jonah in a way that is a little bit different. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. I'm sure this was a high point in Jonah's life. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Um, <laughs> I, I got I to say, it, it's hard. It is really hard to imagine what's going on in Jonah's head. I mean, there's, there, there's, there's this time of prayer, and Jonah prays a prayer while he's in the belly of this fish, and he's praying, but it's not a prayer of remorse. It's a prayer giving glory to God. But he's not like, God, I'm sorry, I should have gone to Nineveh. Uh, instead, it's a God, you're going to be exalted no matter what. And so Jonah recognizes that his fleeing is futile. And God, in, in response to Jonah's giving him glory, uh, God does this. And the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah 
onto dry land. Uh, a lot of times we kind of gloss over that part. Yeah, he was in the belly of a whale or a fish, and then he was out of the fish. And the, but the, the, the words are, you know, he, he vomited him out. And so there's Jonah, gross, smelly, slightly digested. I'm sure he is a sight to behold. And, and he is now in front of Nineveh, uh, smelling like fish insides, and he is going to go and preach a message to these folks in Nineveh. And it says this, Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, proclaiming this. This is his entire message, the entirety of his message. Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. 40 more days. That's it. You got 40 more days. And in the Hebrew, it's only five words long. It's five words. His sermon is five words long. Uh, and, and the response is not what you would expect. Again, it's just not what you would expect. It says this, the Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose up from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. The entirety of the city, the entirety of the people of Nineveh repented. And, and five, five, maybe I should take a message from Jonah, a lesson from Jonah and say, maybe my sermons or the messages that I, I provide are too long. Maybe only five words are all that's needed. Uh, I, I love this because it's a five word message and their response again is the opposite of what you would expect. They're like, oh my gosh, God is upset with us. Let's repent right now. From the least to the greatest, they declared a fast and, and put on sackcloth and ashes, which is in, in Old Testament times, it's, it's a symbol of their repentance. We have done wrong and we're going to make ourselves uncomfortable so that we can offer a bit of repentance. And, and, and what is Jonah's response? Is he like, Go, God, you are so great. Oh, my goodness. No, that is not his response at all. As a matter of fact, his response is one of anger. I knew that if I came here, you would show them mercy. You are too merciful, God. These guys deserve so much more than what you are giving them. You should have destroyed them like you have other towns in the past. You should have, 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 have condemned this city because they have hurt my people so much. He was so angry that he decided, you know what, maybe, maybe these goofball Ninevites will forget that they're repenting and go back to their ways. And so he went up onto a hill to watch and to wait. And, and he's hoping against hope that they're going to turn back to their wicked ways and that God will destroy the city so that they will get what they deserve. And so he's sitting up there and the sun is hot and he's uncomfortable. And all of a sudden, God has this plant overnight grow up. And it, it provides shade 
for Jonah. And this, this plant uh, is one that, you know, Jonah really rejoices in this plant. He's like, God, thank you for this plant. This plant is so great. It's given me shade. I love it. Uh, uh, now I can watch and hope for the death of the Ninevites in comfort. <laughs> and, and, and so again, Jonah is acting in a different way than you'd expect. He, he, instead of rejoicing that God has done something great, he's upset and bent out of shape. And while he's sitting there under the, the, the shade of this plant, God sends an insect that infects the plant and kills it. And so now the plant dies because God is trying to teach Jonah a lesson. God is trying to show Jonah that, that, that there's more to life than just getting even with people that you don't like. And there's more to life than just getting your way. And, and how does Jonah respond? Again, not by receiving the lesson and being like, yes, Lord, what a great lesson. What a great teacher you are. No, Jonah pouts. It's like a third grader when you tell them they can't go do something. They're just, he just, no, this is not okay. I'm not happy. I'm upset. These guys are mean. And, and now you've killed this plant. And it was the only thing that gave me joy in life. Uh, it's so, so opposite of what you'd expect. It says this, but God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is. This is Jonah's response. It is. And I'm so angry. I wish I was dead. I mean, he tried to get chucked over into the sea and, 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 and die then so that he didn't have to bring the message. And now he's just so mad at God that he's just like, you killed the only thing that I was happy with, which was this plant. And now I just wish I was dead. And God, God responds. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant. Though you did not tend it or make it grow, it sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals. Jonah, you're concerned about the plant. What about the people? The plant grew up overnight. It did what it was supposed to do, and then it perished. What about the people? These People who, whose lives could be changed, and now, now they have seen, and now they have repented. Well, why, why is it that you're so upset and frustrated? And <laughs> that's, that's how the story ends. We don't see if Jonah decides, you know what, Lord, you're right. And my guess is that it, it ends that way because the whole book is kind of this upside down picture. The people that you'd expect to be stubborn are not the ones that are being stubborn. It's the people that you would expect to follow God. And so my question in all of this story, the one that gets to me is why did God stick with Jonah? When, John, when Jonah says, nope, why, why didn't God just say, hey, I've got somebody else? Why did God persist in using Jonah to bring this message instead of using somebody else? What was it about Jonah that made him special, that made him capable of bringing this message? What was it that caused God to pursue him even in the middle of this? I mean, Jonah ran but his running was a blessing to others. 
Jonah ran, but his running was a blessing to others. The, the sailors on the ship were sitting there, and, and, and because Jonah ran, they glorified God. The, the town of Nineveh hears a five-word sermon, and the entirety of the city repents. God uses even the stubborn to share with his word. God uses even those that are hard-hearted and angry. And sometimes, sometimes our trials bring us to the place where we're most useful. Sometimes it is our difficulties, our hurt, our habits, our hang-ups that we're able to share with others. And it's more meaningful because we have walked through the fire. The, the, the sailors on the ship saw that the God that, that Jonah served was big enough to overwhelm and, and take over the ocean. The people in Nineveh knew that the God that Jonah served was great enough to condemn them and to, to punish them. And so they turned from their ways and they turned to God. We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God calls each and every one of us in this new life. For those of us that follow Jesus Christ, we've been called into a new life, a life where we can work to build God's kingdom right here and right now. And God uses our brokenness our fears, our concerns, the hurts that we have lived through so that he can use us. Sometimes our trials, our difficulties, the things that we have lived through bring us to the place where we are useful to God's mission and God's purpose. God's strength is made visible in Jonah's weakness. God's strength is made visible in his weakness because of his inability to overcome his anger, because of his inability to, to go with God on, on his terms. God's strength is demonstrated. And the same is true for you and for me. Uh, God calls us, and it, it's crazy how quickly I've seen this in my life, whether I'm going through a difficult time and I, I emerge from that difficulty and someone comes alongside me that's going through something so similar, whether it's divorce or single parenting or grief or, or difficulty of any kind, it, it happens over and over and over again. Sometimes it is in going through the fires of life that we become most useful for God. Sometimes it's when things are more difficult for us, we emerge on the other side, and we're like, man, I just barely made it. And then God says, hey, I got somebody I need you to walk with that's going through the same flames that you just got out of. It's so difficult, and it, and it can, can cause us to, to take a, a step back because the truth is, 
When we, when we lean into that, if we lean into that, that situation and we say, God, I'll go with you there. I mean, we can act like Jonah and be very reluctant about it, but if we lean into it, one of the things that, that could happen to us is we got to relive some of that difficulty on our own. We remember the pain and the difficulty that we had to get through to get there. And so, you know, the question is, what can we learn for us today about this story from Jonah? And, and number one, maybe this should be self-obvious. Don't run. It just makes it worse, right? Don't run from God. It just makes it worse. Uh, I've, I've experienced this in my life. Maybe you have as well. Running from God just makes, makes you feel like you're, you're trying to swim upstream. And God's like, if you would just let go and trust in me. I will show you a better way. It'll be, it's not that everything is going to be sunshine and rainbows, but it's not going to be as hard as you're making it on yourself. And the second is to lean into your ability to share life with others. We, we go through difficulty and it gives us the ability to speak from a place of, of love and grace about a topic which nobody else can talk on in the same way that you can. And so God calls us into that to journey with him. And, and finally, we can trust that God will heal us, will heal you through the process of that walk. I have found that to be the case every single time in my life. When I have emerged from some difficult time and somebody comes and says, hey, I'm going through something similar. And I say, you know what, let's, let's go in this together. I'll, I'll, I'll meet with you. I'll visit. I, I had just, just gone through a divorce years ago uh, and it was brutal. And one of my buddies from work came up to me and he was like, hey, man, I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, I'm, I'm about to go through a divorce and, and some of the things that we have talked about are, are similar. And I just, you know, what did you do to get through it? And it was in the process of going through that, that I was able to uh, emerge a little bit stronger in my own life as well. So it wasn't just a blessing to my friend. It was also something that blessed my life. And so when we lean in, instead of fleeing from God. God makes our lives more complete. He gives us that joy that, and, and peace that surpasses all understanding. He gives us the ability to overcome our own brokenness so that we can lean into His life, His hope, His promise, and He offers that right here and right now. And so my prayer for each and every one of us is that we would do that, that we would trust in this God who created the heavens and the earth, who set the stars in motion, who sent Jesus into the world through his life, death, and resurrection, calls us to new life in him, and that in that life we would live for the building of God's kingdom now and always. Let's pray. Holy One, we give you thanks for Jesus Christ. We give you thanks uh, for your love and grace, and we give you thanks that even when we get it wrong, you're right there with us. Help us 
to be able to share from our own experiences, our own brokenness, to to do life alongside one another, to lift each other up, to bear each other's burdens, and to help one another in this journey toward Jesus so that each and every day, each and every one of us can be made more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. Because this is something that God calls us to. So God, help us to be the people that you want us to be. Help us to struggle and strive to to yearn for the prize that you have in mind for us. A life that is filled with your life. That is filled with your love. Filled with your grace and your mercy. So that we can be your hands and your feet right here and right now. We pray this together. In the name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And all of us agreed and said...